First of all, if we haven't had an opportunity to meet, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor here at this church, and uh, just really glad you're here uh, in person. We're also glad that uh, you are watching in your home or wherever you're watching. It's just great for all of us to be to get, be here together. I want to start by asking you this question: What's your most valuable possession? And you can't say Jesus and your family. Like, after Jesus and your family, what's the thing that you value most? Lean over to the person next to you and just share that. What is the thing that you value most in life? I guess if you were to ask me, I I value my dog. I love my dog. Uh, I value my Jeep. I love going on adventures. But that's not what I would say I value the most after Jesus and family. I would say it's my Christian friendships. It would be uh, the men that are in my life that uh, we are comrades in arms. Uh, we're brothers together. And uh, I'm so incredibly thankful uh, for the guys that are Christ followers that make me a better Christ follower. One of the um, many different like groupings of friends that I have is a group of people that we all became Christians together uh, early, early, early on. And whenever we have an opportunity to get together, wherever we are, we'll get together for a breakfast and we'll immediately catch up. Do you have friends like that? Like if you haven't seen them for six months to a year, like you see you're together and like, bam, it's immediate. So what we do is we'll get together um, for breakfast and it is an intense uh, sharing accountability where we basically, since the last time we met, here's everything that's going on in our lives. Here are all the things that we have problems with and issues with, and we're just supporting and problem solving for each other. And then when we're done with breakfast, we'll go to the car and we'll pray. And like, we'll be in there, like, like people were walking by, who are these weird people with their heads about talking, you know? And it'll, it'll be like an hour or two. It'll be like, we're really interceding for one another. Um, I remember years ago, one of these conversations um, took place at a Bob Evans. And I remember a friend of mine uh, saying, slamming his fist down, just sort of taking me back. I hate debt. And he shared how he had like $30,000 in credit card debt and, and, and on top of that, car payments and student loans. And he just said that every aspect of his life is sort of like revolving around that issue of consumer debt. And then he leaned over to one of our other friends at the table and said, what about you? And presuming that he was going through the same scenario because he went to the same school, got the same degree and had the same job. And our friends sort of sheepishly said, well, I mean, yeah, it's been hard, but I don't have any debt, and I don't have any car debt, and I paid off my student loan debt, and so I'm just completely debt-free, and I'm saving money to, to build a house completely debt-free. He said, I've been renting for 15 years, but I'm saving all of this money that I can turn on. And for one, both of them Christians, both of them incredibly serious about their faith. But for one, that was something that was just a major plaguing issue. And for the other one, money was something that was incredibly freeing. And so what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're starting a series that we're calling Better about different things in our lives that, you know, honestly, we can do better than that. 
And what, one of the things that we can do is we can do better than consumer debt, credit card debt, car payments, uh, different fixed loans, and stuff like that. And the scripture that we're going to look at uh, is, is powerful. Because the issue is in the United States, this is a major issue whether you're a Christian or not. Like in the United States, there's $890 billion in credit card debt, 600 million active credit cards in the United States. The average household has a minimum of $16,000 in just credit card debt, and a lot of people much more than that. And one out of every seven Americans has at least, at a minimum, 10 credit cards. And so this is a major issue. Uh, here at CCV, uh, we're good friends with a guy named Joe Sangle, Christian financial planner, teacher, speaker, and he's spoken here two times. And uh, Joe said in one of his books, debt is the single greatest cause of stress and financial problems. Do you agree or disagree with that? Debt is the single greatest cause of stress and financial problems. He said, you know, I've never had someone come up to me and say, I got a credit card, I ran up, it, I ran up the balance to the limit, and all of my dreams have come true. All of my problems are gone. He said, that's never happened. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at a scripture verse in the Bible that has a, has a plan for this. And before we go there, I just want to say this, that whenever we read scripture, like they're like churches that like you'll go to scripture and like like the churches like the whole point is like to make you feel guilty about it and what I want to do is I want to look at this scripture not in the sense of hey let's feel bad about ourselves but in the sense that you know what two years from now we can this is going to be completely changed three years from now it can be just be changed and so let's read that scripture together it's in Proverbs chapter 6 um, and if you don't have a Bible in front of you, we always have our church app. You can download the church app on whether you have an Android and an iPhone. And uh, all you have to do is look up CCV Philadelphia in the App Store or Google Play. And it will bring that up and just push the Bible tab. So we want everybody to have the scripture in front of them as we read it together. So here it is. Proverbs 6.1 says, and this is Solomon speaking uh, to his son. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, and this is an Old Testament way of saying if you've gotten into debt for a neighbor, if you've shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you've been trapped by what you've said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. And this, again, this is thousands of years ago. There aren't legal binding contracts. So that everything was done by word, Right? Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids, and free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, or no ruler, Yet it gets up and stores its provisions in summer and gather its, gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Hold on, I have a fly. Do you see this fly? <laughs> Boom! That's all I get? I killed a fly! 
Come on. I'm not very good at most things in life. I'm very proud of myself there. Okay, let's go back to scripture. Let's pay attention to God's word. Here we go. Um, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? How long, or when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed um, man. The whole point of what Proverbs is saying is listen, we all get into situations in life where, you know what, we have the ability to fix it, but we don't. We're just sort of like, I'm too stressed. You know, there are so many things going on in my life. I'm just, I'm just going to go into uh, robot mode and not even think about it and not even address it. And what Proverbs is shaking us and saying, you can fix this and you can fix this now if you wake up and you address this. If you go, look at what it says. If you go to the point of exhaustion, underline in Hebrew, that word exhaustion, it meant literally to throw yourself down. Like, man, I'm going after it. I'm so tired. I'm just laying down. I'm collapsing in bed, right? And the message says, dear friends, if you've gone into hawk, don't waste a minute. Get yourself out of that mess. And so what this passage is saying is that, hey, we can change this. We can do this. And so there are three things I think this passage is communicating. Number one is to humble yourself. If we're going to get out of consumer debt, we have, to, we have to humble ourselves and say, hey, you know what? <laughs> Bad decisions have led to that. Or unforeseen decisions that were beyond our control that weren't, weren't planned. Like our, um, our uh, second daughter, um, I worked... I worked for this church. I asked them, do you have health insurance? This is terrible. I want to tell you anyway. Um, do you have health insurance? They're like, yeah, we have health insurance. And I didn't know this, but there was a $4,000 deductible at a minimum that covered the 20%. And then you had to cover 80% beyond that. And when the child was born, there was, there was, there was a new policy created for the baby. So essentially... I didn't own my daughter till she was three. It was, it was crazy. It was just ridiculous. So there could be scenarios like that, you know, where you, like it was just totally unexpected, un, unplanned. You had no idea. But you have to say, you know what? I'm going to humble myself. Um, the other thing is, I think what is being communicated through this passage is to develop a minimalist lifestyle. Now I have to tell you, up until 2017. I was always somewhat of a minimalist. Lisa is incredibly frugal, um, uh, much more than me. But I'm very—I was very minimalist. But I watched a document, a documentary, a document, a documentary. Is that how you say it? Okay, that's how you people say it. Documentary, is that it? I will say it like you say it instead of a documentary. Documentary, I was watching this documentary called Minimalism. It's on Netflix and I would encourage you to do it. It was a, um, it was a study sharing how basically our lifestyles have become incredibly bloated with stuff. And then what we do is it's not that we spend money on stuff, it's how much 
of life did it cost us to work to turn around and buy that stuff? So essentially, after that, I had always been pretty, pretty minimal in my lifestyle, but I went through our cars. Have you ever done this before? Go to your car. In fact, I want you to do that today. And some of you are like, oh no, you're not going to make me. Oh yes, I am. We're going there. You are going to go and clean out the middle console that basically has like seven years of wrappers shoved in it, right? And in your glove compartment and the trunk. You're going to clean it out completely. You're going to go underneath all of your seats and you're going to take it into the kitchen and you're going to set it down and you're going to look at it. You're going to throw away all the junk, but you're going to ask yourself, whatever is there, how much of my life did I give for this thing that's just sitting there? I did that. Did it to my car, did it to Lisa's car. Then I went to our bedroom and went to just my stuff. I started with my sock drawer. There were so many mismatched socks. Where's the other one? There's this one and this one. But then after I laid them all out, I matched them together. I asked myself, first of all, do I need all of these socks? But second, how much of my life did I give for these socks? Went to my underwear drawer, my socks drawer, went to pants, went to shirts, went to everything. And what I did is in this process, I started basically creating a pile in the basement. I looked at something and I said, How much of my life did I have to give for this? More importantly, do I actually need this? Then I went room by room, closet by closet. I was reading the Gospels where John the Baptist said, um, if you have two coats, give one of them to the poor. And I, I just don't spend a lot of money on myself, but I had over 30 years of marriage. I had collected six different coats. We just didn't throw them away. And so I needed two of those coats, a spring coat and a winter coat, and I gave four of them away. And slowly but surely, pots and pans, and it just seemed stupid, but I was like, I need to do this. I need to look at every single aspect of my life. And what we did is we took it all and made a pile in the basement. And we said, first and foremost, we're going to give, these, give this stuff to people that we can bless. We're going to sell it and we're going to pitch it. And that's exactly what we did. And we gave away and sold three-fourths of everything that we had in our lives. We also put our house on our market in the market and we got an apartment. And we would be in this house that we were designing to build uh, that had a much smaller footprint. How many of you have homes where there are different rooms that you never go in? Like if you did a heat map of everywhere that you live and the stuff that you actually use. And what we said is we didn't want one square foot that would be wasted in any way. And if it weren't for the fact that uh, there was an unethical builder that we were working with that um, basically did something terrible to us, uh, we would be in that home right now. I mentioned that to just say, I think that when it comes to following Jesus, that I'm really late to the game on this. Man, I wasn't in the 2017, 2018 Like I've been following Christ for 30 years before I really started to take seriously what he said about do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And I just really wish I had been in my early 20s when I came to Christ and I was growing seriously in my faith that I had developed that minimalist lifestyle. So so here's the other thing. 
I think the other thing that this passage is challenging us to do is to stop making excuses and get off our buttocks and fix it. Like the thing is, is that there are just so many incredible, thoughtful, smart, intelligent leaders that are here at our church that are in debt. That if they just got off their butt and said, I'm going to fix this problem, they could be out of that issue in 18 months, 20 months, whatever. Is that you? Is that you? Like if you said, I'm going to do this, could it change the whole trajectory of your finances? Uh, Ask some dear friends here at CCV. Uh, Evan and Brianna Flora to share their story as young 20 year olds where they encountered uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. It was a nine week class that we offered here um, at CCV led by Bill and Lisa Rinker and uh, here's what happened when, when they went through this. Watch this. Hey CCV, this is Evan and Brianna Flora, and we've been attending CCV since we were both in middle school. Our journey to becoming um, debt-free began when Bill and Lisa Rinker gave us the FPU starter kit as a uh, wedding gift. And like most married young couples, we had wished we got in cash, but we gladly accepted anyway. A few months into our marriage, we had taken the FPU course. We were hesitant for the first couple weeks, but after week three or four, we started really falling in love. After FPU, we decided that as a home that we were going to become debt-free, we were going to be aggressive with our finances, and we were going to tithe faithfully. It took us about two years to pay off all of our student loans, our car payments, and our credit card bills, but we're glad that we had done that. Dave Ramsey says that debt is like someone in your home that you don't want, and that was our approach. I would listen to his podcast every week. I'd listen to people's success stories and hear how they're debt-free and how being financially free has freed them from the chains of debt. And moving forward, we're just hoping that um, now that we are financially free, we are able to bless others and be generous in our giving. Um, We're also really um, pumped that we have developed really, really healthy disciplined habits um, with money. In our 20s, we've done the hard work and we're hoping that it will set us up for future, um, for years to come. Isn't that great? I love that. And uh, so what I love is it said we became aggressive. And I think that's what Proverbs is saying when he's like, listen, allow no sleep, no slumber. Get off your butt. Let's go. Let's attack it. And so what I want to do next is just very quickly, if your and my great-great-grandmother got together with Dave Ramsey and came together and formed a committee with you and laid out all of your finances and Grandma and Dave Ramsey was in charge of everything, here's what they would do. Number one, they would tell you and me, stop going into debt. Like they would grab all the credit cards and they would stick them in the oven at 450 and melt them and say, that's it. We are never, ever, ever going to use consumer debt to solve any financial problem. Number two, they would say, man, you need to save at a minimum $1,000 really fast because you have to prepare yourself for any unexpected expense that might come up. So you don't have to use a credit card to pay for an expense. So you have to save that, stash that money away. And then third, you need to tithe because one of the reasons you get into that situation is that God wasn't in charge of your finances and you weren't receiving God's blessings on your finances 
because you weren't tithing. But fourth, Grandma and Dave Ramsey that would say, as you rank all of your debts from the smallest to the largest and you take the total amount that you're paying every single month, the consumer debt, student loans, car payments, fixed card, whatever they are, put the total amount that you pay every single month, you're going to keep that payment until all of your debts are paid off. You're going to start by paying off the smallest one and then you're going to keep, let's say, that $40 a month payment that you're paying and then you're going to go to the second smallest the third smallest and the fourth smallest. But let's say you're paying $2,000 a month towards consumer debt. You're going to continue to pay that consumer debt at $2,000 a month. And you're just going to keep, it's like a snowball that builds. You keep the payments you're making for the small one. You keep the payment you're making for the second smaller one. And it builds and builds and builds. You keep that dedicated amount until you pay that off. The fifth thing is question Every expense over $10 from here on out. Whatever you spend more than $10 on, whether it's meat or shirts or gas, anything in your life where you're paying $10 more, you need to go and question that right now. One of the things I do every single fall is I take that, I do that. Every single thing that we have. I go and I question it, and what I do is I rebid it out. So everything, mortgage, life insurance, car insurance, homeowner's insurance, cable, cell phone, anyone that provides another service, I go out and get at a minimum three to five bids for all of that. And then we go and look at all the expenses and say, anything that's over $10 Can I turn around and can I cancel that? You know who the worst is? Comcast. They're the worst. Comcast, listen to me. God's speaking to you right now. No. You know, they're the worst. They never call you up and say, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, we have a new program that's going to save you $40, right? They just never do that. Uh, But I do that for everything. And so last fall, $300. I saved just by rebidding everything and making phone calls. And so question everything over $10. And finally, pray for creativity and wisdom. The one thing I notice about um, people in this congregation that have committed themselves, they've attacked it, and now they're debt-free from all consumer debt, is that they didn't wait until they got out of a bad situation to start they started even in the middle of a bad situation, like the worst possible time would be in the middle of COVID, right? Like uh, the, the stress of finances and that sort of thing. And what I want you to do is turn that on its head and say, no, actually, that's the best possible time. That if we do that, if we commit to this, even in the midst of COVID, it's going to make sure that we have that resolve. And what's going to happen is that if you pray for creativity and wisdom, God will answer that prayer. God will meet those needs. God will help you pull together the resources, the strategy, and more importantly, the tenacity to make that happen. So here's the thing. We all know we're better than having consumer debt. What Proverbs is challenging us to do is to leave here today and do something 
about it. You can do something about it to eliminate it. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your teaching and at times the swift kick. And that's what this passage is. We thank you by, for grabbing us and saying, hey, listen, fix this right now. Fix it. Let's go. You can do it. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the creativity. Let's go. Let's do this. You're better than that. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.